0: Hi, my name is David Nels. About 10 years ago, I was in Asia. I went out to visit a village, just a little village. There in that village, I saw the young men out in the fields working. I saw the young women taking care of their children. I saw the older ladies cooking. The older men were just sitting under a tree talking. And the little children were running around doing what little children do, just having a good time. I noticed there were Hindu temples. I saw a mosque or two, but I didn't see a church. I asked my friend who was with me, where are the churches? And he answered, there is not a church here. There has never been a church here. There may never be a church here. Now, I already understood all of that in my mind, that there were hundreds of thousands of villages all across Asia, not to mention the rest of the world, that had never had a church ever. But that day something happened. The realization of it all moved from my head down deep into my heart. These are real people, families, people that Jesus died for. And it wasn't that they were rejecting the gospel. They weren't rejecting Jesus. They didn't know who he was. Nobody had ever told them. Something happened to me that day. It just broke my heart. I didn't know what to do, but I knew that we had to do something. Well, I had some friends in Asia, some friends in the States, and we got together and a strategy was developed that today is known as the Timothy Initiative. It's real simple. We don't build buildings. We don't send people away to seminary. We don't worry about titles. We just lead people to Christ and then disciple them to in turn, make disciples who make disciples. It's simple, it's reproducible. It's the book of Acts, being filled with the Spirit, praying, loving people, going out and telling people about Jesus, and then training them to do the exact same thing. Jesus told us his very last words. He said, go make disciples of all nations. He did not say build cathedrals. He did not say develop big structures. He said, make disciples who make disciples, and that's exactly what we do. Is it working? Oh my goodness, yes. There are tens of thousands of churches that have been planted all over the world. Jesus told us that one day around his throne, there will be people gathered from every language group, every people group, every tribe, every nation. Together with other partners that we work with, I can see that day becoming a reality. Man, I'm excited. I'm so excited. I believe. We're going to see the task, the Great Commission task, finished in just the next few years.
1: You know, I, I go to a, a lot of training. And conferences And hang out with pastors And it it occurred to me five or six years ago That uh, it was no longer okay Just to say disciples It was the need for pastors and conferences To say disciples making disciples It was saying we're doing something uh, With our discipleship And so I was all on board I'm like I love that idea Disciples who are going to turn around And make other disciples Here's the problem Two or three years As I watch and I talk with pastors and churches, I'm like, nobody's really doing it, or hardly any church is really doing it. And I learned a stat that kind of hit me hard. It was that in a church of 200, one to three people are actively sharing their faith and leading people to Jesus Christ. One to three in a church of 200. And that just hit me hard. And then I said, you know, i probably pastored churches that way over my life. And it was flipped back to say, Tom, what have you done to empower and train up your people to be disciples, making disciples? So I went on a journey. I'll save you the long story of it. But the Lord eventually brought me in contact with David Melms. And when we first sat down and listened to Dave talk about this thing called discipleship and what was happening around the world and then what they wanted to do here in the U.S. as well, I was all in. And then I had the opportunity to where David came over here to the church because he's local. And we were able to talk and learn all about this. And so a lot of what we have been encouraging you and pushing you in in discipleship this year and getting you to sign up for, you're going to hear what God is doing in that, but around the world and the urgency of it as well. And so I'm really thrilled this morning that you get the opportunity to listen to David. And so would you welcome him as he comes up to share with us?
0: Well, it's a real honor to be with you guys. I've grown to uh, love your pastor, Tom. I'm just down the road in Raleigh, so I just had a quick drive over here this morning. But I'm excited to be here. I love this place. I love you guys. And I'm excited to uh, begin a partnership with you. And as Pastor Tom said, we make disciples. We make disciples. Our way disciple making begins with evangelism. You can't, biblically speaking, no one no one mature until they were first born. You've got to be born before you grow. Can you get an amen on that? You've got to be born before you grow. The disciple making always begins with evangelism. And what Tom just said is so true. If only one to three percent of us are even out there trying to do it with evangelism, my goodness. My goodness. I mean, we're we're we fallen behind before we even started. And so, what's really happening all over the world, this is people are they're not just coming to the kingdom, they're running the More people are coming to Christ right now than any time since Jesus gave the Great Commission, that is that command to take the gospel to everybody. About the only place the church is not growing, in fact, is North America, Europe, but pretty much the rest of the world, the church is growing. We work in parts of the world that are usually classified as unreached people groups, or UPGs. Basically, that's your Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist parts of the world, in asia and african bigger muslim animist types of parts of the world and what we do is we lead people to christ and we train them to lead others to the lord but not just lead them to christ but to disciple them to live like jesus and to go out and do the same thing with others also and the churches are just being started by the tens of thousands uh Tom, we will we will pass 100,000 churches starting sometimes this summer. And so it's really taken off. Let me show you a couple of pictures to give you an idea of what this is like because our churches are not like what we typically think of as churches in the States. The guy on the left is a businessman. We call him a Timothy. We primarily train regular normal people. We don't train a lot of pastors. We just train regular Christ followers. Hey, let me ask y'all. How many of you people in this room are followers of Raise your hand, that's good. Yeah. Well, you're doing we what's Right? Did you know when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he was not giving it to pastors. There were none. There was not an ordained pastor on the face of the earth. The church hadn't even been birthed yet. The church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. When Jesus told us to go make disciples of the whole world, that was weeks before the church was even birthed. There, there was not a down on the face of the earth like your pastor and I. They were all like you. Regular, normal followers of Christ. That's the guy on the left. The guy on the right is the pastor. We call him the Paul. Paul trains the Timothy to make disciples in his neighborhood. This guy lives in a part of the world. I know this city well. It's in what we call the 0.1 district. What that means is less than 0.1% of the people living there even claim to be a follower of Christ. Look that number around 99.9% the people in this city will tell you i am not a follower of jesus christ but look at the people that he's led to the lord and that's one year's worth and they're getting baptized and so that's just exciting and that's happening all over the world look at the next picture one of the people standing in that line was this guy right here her name is Kali, Kali, Kali is the name of hindu, uh, god, a hindu god, goddess and she's 83 years old she wasn't rejecting jesus who he was. The reason she didn't know who he was, nobody had ever told her. The Timothy there told her about Jesus. She accepted the Lord, was baptized, and became a follower of Jesus. Let's move to Africa. This little lady's name is Rhoda. She's even over 90 years old. Again, same similar story. No church in her area. Now, Rhoda looks sweet and innocent and helpless like she wouldn't hurt a fly. Let me tell you something. That's a meanest old woman. Okay, She is, uh, I grew up used you say meaner than a junkyard dog. She's meaner than a, she's been an illegal bootlegger her entire life. I mean, tough as nails, that old lady. And her granddaughter got, became a follower of Christ in that new church. And we teach our new believers, as soon as you become a follower of Jesus, go tell somebody. You don't have to go through six months of training. You don't have to wait. If you just say, uh, by the way, when does a candle give off light? Somebody tell me. Yeah, so it since it it's lit. Does the candle say, Oh, I can't give off light until I won't go through light giving off training for six months? Is that what the candle says? <laughs> no, you like the candle that gives off light. Well, you've been lit by the fire of God. Our God is a consuming fire. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You Jesus said, Don't hide that light of yours under the bushel, let it shine. And so we teach our new believers the day you come to Christ, go tell somebody. So granddaughter got saved, and 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 the the Timothy said, "Who do you know that really needs Jesus?" And granddaughter thought, "Well, I don't know anybody that needs Jesus, worse than me, old Grandma Rhoda." And so she went to Grandma's house and told Rhoda about Jesus. And guess what? Rhoda's heart was open; she accepted Jesus on the spot. You know why? She wasn't rejecting Christ. She didn't know who He was. You know why she didn't know who He was? Nobody had ever told her. Well, Rhoda got she accepted the Lord, and she then looked at the granddaughter and said, "What do I do next?" And granddaughter said, "I don't know. I've only been a Christian for like three hours. I'm kind of new at this. I'm not real sure, but I think you're supposed to get baptized." And Rhoda said, "What is baptized?" She said, "I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm not, you know." I'm not really sure, but I think they take it out and get in the water. So Rhoda said, I want to get baptized right now. And granddaughter said, you can't get baptized right now. You've got to wait till next Sunday. And Rhoda said, I don't want to wait till Sunday. I want to do it right now. And if I was 90 years old, I wouldn't want to wait till Sunday either. Okay? So look at the next picture. They took her out, and that's the Timothy there in the white shirt. Baptized her right there. Uh, immediately there in the river, and everything I just told you is true, except I don't know about this next statement, Tom. I'm not sure if this is true. But somebody told me that water before voting at it was crystal clear. Okay, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that part's true or not. But, but so when we talk about planting churches, we're not talking about here's the church, here's the steeple, you remember that? Mm-hmm. Open the. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about. Well, if I look in fact, look at the next picture. This will give you an idea of a church for us. We call it a tree church. Okay, even people in Raleigh, where I live, can figure it out. It's a tree church. That's where they meet in that little village. whole village being crushed. Everybody. We see it all the time. They're not rejecting Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They don't know who he is. That's so hard for us to understand. You drove by five or six churches on your to church this morning. They've never driven by a church. They've never driven for that matter. They've never walked by a church because there is none there. They don't know who he is. These songs you're worshiping this legend in, my goodness, what a great job they did. They've never heard anything like that. That Bible you have in your lap or on your phone, they've never seen a Bible. They don't know what a Bible is. They have no idea. They're not rejecting him. They don't know who he is. Well, look at the next picture. This is Asia. The little church. It was six and a half years old when I took this picture. They'd already started 29 other churches. Now, I'm a church planner. That's what I do. That that's that's starting a new church every three months. That's really hard to do. Really, you know, it's really hard to do. Well, what's really amazing is not only have they started 29 churches in six and a half years, but twenty-four of those people. In that room, we're being trained to start more churches, 24 more churches. That's over 50 churches in a, in a, say, an eight-year period. And that's what's happening. Because, you see, they're not just making disciples. They're making disciple makers. You're not planting churches. You're planting churches that plant churches. That that's what Second 2 Timothy 2, 2 teaches. Paul, disciple Timothy, who do disciple faithful people, who do disciple others also. That's the New Testament model. That's what we're supposed to be doing, ladies and gentlemen. In other words, listen, this may sound a shock. Like a shock to you, God didn't save you so you can come in here and sit and have Pastor Tom and and, and Anson train you. He saved you so that you go out and share Christ with others and
1: teach them how to become a follower of Christ also. This whole church, the whole purpose here is to
0: equip you to do the work of the ministry. And if the work of the ministry is anything, if it's anything, it's making us a great commission, the ministry of reconciliation. It's saying to the world, "World, you can be reconciled to Christ." Look on the next slide. We every church that we start, if, if we're uh, honored to start churches with you guys, it costs about three hundred dollars to train somebody for two years, start a church. Every church is expected to take care of a widow, or an orphan, or a trafficked, slave Right now, we are taking care of over 50,000 orphans, and we don't have to raise a penny for it. And we're simply not opposed to ministries that raise money to take care of orphans. We thank God for every one of them. But we figured out how to do it without having to raise any money for it. We just make new disciples and tell them God loves the orphan, God loves the widow, God wants your church to take care of them. And we've got 50,000 of those little kids that we're caring for right now so if you guys serve your church you're able to start, you're going to take care of an orphan also. And so that kind of gives you an idea. Now look at the next slide if you would. We uh, with you guys, what we're wanting to do is help you start churches and villages where there are no churches, never no church. What you're looking at are little villages there. The red villages are churches are villages where we could not find a single Christian or a church. Yellow, we found a few Christians, but no churches. Green, Christians and churches. And what we'd like to do in a partnership with you guys is paint some of those red and yellow villages green. That is, take whatever funding you can provide and with your prayers and go into those villages where there's never been a church and give them Jesus and as some come to Christ, churches are started. We'd like to paint a bunch of those red villages green. Now, this is going to take funding but much more than that. Much more than that. Much more than that, it's going to require prayer, and that's the next slide. If you're watching this at home, there's a link there you can go to and sign up for the prayer team. For those of you here, we have a card. I'll be out at your welcome center outside the lobby. The service is over. The first crowd was very good. They, practically everybody, stopped by and filled out a card. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. It'll take you about 30 seconds what we will do is we will send you once a month prayer request and all we ask that you do is take a moment and pray and then delete the email. Just don't ever post anything on social media. Just pray and delete. Pray and delete. That's all you got to do. Some of you have children. Where we're working, uh, it, it, it's not unusual. Anybody else remember heard of Boko Haram? Yes. Yes. Some of you are familiar with Boko Haram?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We, we, North Nigeria, Chad, that part of the world, we've met hundreds of churches in that area. It, it's not unusual for a, a Fulani uh, jihadist group or some Boko Haram local group to come into a village and just kill everybody doesn't matter if you're a Christian. Just kill everybody. Uh, we, we can lose entire villages overnight, much less the church. Uh, we have people martyred all the time. Houses burned to the ground. Church, little churches destroyed. People beat up. And right, right now in one country, in the last three weeks we've had, we've had uh, 16 of our leaders die of COVID. In the last three weeks, just in one country. We're in 35 countries. In that one country, we have over 90 of our leaders pastors, Paul's in the hospital with COVID right now. And the hospital support You can't get in. People are dying literally in the parking lot because they can't get into the, into the hospital. Do you remember the coup that occurred in Myanmar about a month ago? We were, the week of the coup, we were opening up. 250 training centers, 3,000 utilities to be trained. It, it was scheduled two days in two days, and that coup shut everything up. Hundreds of people have been killed over there. Hundreds of people. I mean, just, I can't begin to tell you the misery. The pain. And those are the kind of places where we're working, and you know what? All the money in the world is not going to change that. It, 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 there, there are strongholds, spiritual strongholds. Jesus said, at this time, I want to pray, pray the past. yeah. And so that's what we're going to ask you to do. We're going to ask you on your way out, stop by the table. And I don't care how young you are, you teenagers, if, if it's okay with your parents, we want you praying, we want the kids praying. I even want you old people praying, okay? We want everybody praying, so see me at the table. I want to talk to you on the subject of urgency, and I pray that, that you will leave here today with a sense of urgency. Look at the scripture this morning, John 3, 16, the passage you know very well. For God, he didn't just love, he so loved the who did God love. He so loved the who did The world. Yeah, talk to me. He so loved the world. How much he so loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus. That whoever believes in him, places of trust in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Four, connecting word. Same context, same subject. For God did not send his son into the world. world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might like be saved. There's the gospel. God loves red, yellow, black, and white so much that though we are sinful and our sin, we deserve to perish, God loves us. He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus died in our place on the cross, shed his blood, not for his sins. He didn't have any. He shed his blood for our sins. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. And God wants the whole world to know this story because God doesn't want to condemn them. God wants to save the world. But watch, we got a problem. Most people in the world don't know that. In fact, I want to give you two, two truths this morning. Truth number one, the world is big. It is a big world. The world is big. This big world has no idea who Jesus is. You know, uh, one night I couldn't sleep. I'm out on the road all the time. And so I just got to look at it, the cities of the world. And I found out something. There's different ways to define a city. Cities, there's different definitions used. But depending upon your definition that you use, if you look at the 20 largest cities in the world, there's only one of them in the United States That's metro area That's the New York, New York area. Only one in the top 20. In other words, 19 of the 20 largest cities in the world are outside of the United States. Anybody ever been in Mexico City? Incredible. Just incredible. It's the size. I Googled last night. No one else coming here today. North Carolina has about 11 million people in it. We do a lot of work in a a place called New Delhi, India. New Delhi, India has a metro area over 30 million people. You take the entire state of North Carolina from from the Outer Banks to Asheville, from Raleigh-Durham to Charlotte, and everything in between, you can take those 11 million people and take them all again and take them all again, that's about 7.6 billion people on the face of the earth give or take a little two thirds of them will tell you they are not a follower of Jesus Christ there's about two and a half million people on the face of the earth who claim to be followers of Jesus let me tell you who's in that two and a half billion. all cults are in that two and a and a half million and that is all your Mormons all your Jehovah's Witnesses there's probably 10,000 different cults in the continent of Africa that most of us have never even heard of they're all in that two and a half billion. Your Anglican communion. there's about 78 million of those are in that two and a half billion. All of your Orthodox, your Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Romanian Orthodox, all of them are in that two and a half billion. Your Coptics, your Egyptian Copts, your Syrian Comptics, your all of them are in that group. All of your mainline Protestant uh, denominations are in that group. All of your Catholics are in that group. All of your evangelicals are in that group. There's a good bit of that 2.5 million people that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. But let's just set those 2.5 million aside. That still leaves 5 plus billion people who will tell you, I am not a follower of Jesus Christ. And what's really sad is many of them have no idea who he is. It is estimated that 3 billion people live among what's called unreached people groups. That's 40% of the world's population, 40%, 4 out of 10, who were born and lived and died among, in, in parts of the world where they have no idea who Jesus is. Just in one village, one nation alone in, in Asia, there are 300,000 villages in that one country that do not have a church. There's barely 300,000 churches in the United States little over that. So what that means is every time you have driven by a church in the United States in your life, I'm talking from Maine to San Diego, from Seattle to the Keys, every time you have driven by a church in your life there is a corresponding village in that one country that has never even had church. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? They're not rejecting Jesus. They don't know who he is. And the reason they don't know who he is is because nobody has ever told them. 300,000 in that one country, 90% of the villages in Vietnam have never had a church, 90% of the villages in Sri Lanka, 90% of the villages in Pakistan, 90% of the villages in Indonesia, 90% of the villages in Thailand never had a church. They're not, these aren't people that, have been, that are being invited. These are not people that, listen, they don't, where I go, I, people don't know what a pastor is. i say, I'm a pastor. they say, what do you do, brother? I'll say, I'm a pastor. They'll say, what's that? I'll say, a pastor is a guy that works in a church. They'll say, what's a church? i say, a church is a place where the pastor up a, a book called a Bible and teaches the people from that Bible. And they'll say, what's a Bible? And I'll say, the Bible is a book that records the words that came out of the mouth of the creator of the heavens and the earth, and he tells us in his message how we can know him through his son, Jesus Christ, how we can have our broken lives put back together and changed and, and joy and peace in our hearts. And when we die, we get to go and live with him in his home for all eternity. And their eyes get real big and they'll say, do you have one of those Bibles? Can I see it? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not exaggerating this. This world is big, and this world is lost. People are not rejecting Jesus, so as much as it is, they have no idea who he is. And what about places where they have heard about Jesus, like Europe? Europe is now post-Christian. Did you know there are more registered witches in France than there are Bible-leading pastors in the same country? We've got a problem our own country. We're losing our country. We've got a problem. We now have at least three states of our 50 where the percentage of people that live in that state that believe, that are born again believers, they believe, they, they, they put their trust in Jesus, they shed blood of Jesus, they believe the Bible is the word of God, they believe he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, buried rose again. We have three of our 50 United States and the percentage of people in those states who believe that way are now 2% or less. If that was overseas, those states would be called an unreached people group. Ladies and gentlemen, my guess is very few in this room, if anybody in this room, anybody approached you this past week and tried to lead you to Christ outside of maybe this church. Did anyone while you were at work this week come up to you and try to lead you to Christ? Did anyone at the grocery store, anyone at Walmart, anyone in your neighborhood in the past week, did anyone try to share Christ with you? Did they? No. How about the last month? In case anybody, you're, we, North Carolina is the Bible Belt. Has anyone in the last month approached you and tried to share Jesus with you? And you know, I don't want to make anybody feel badly, but how many of us have approached somebody else and tried to share Christ with them? You've got a problem. The world is big. The world is lost. So what are we going to do about it? You say, David, why is this such a big problem? It's a big problem because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. and no one comes to the Father except through me. It's a big problem because the Bible says that that, that, we're, that we're all men are appointed to die once and after this the judgment. It's a big problem because if you die without Jesus Christ, you have you perished, John 3, 16. You have perished. That's a okay. big So what are we going to do about it? What can you guys as a church do about this big, awful problem?
1: Number one, we can
0: can give. We can give. And I'm not here today to talk to you about giving. But if you're not currently supporting your church, give my goodness. Get get started. Has it occurred to you that we live in a bubble, that we of all nations have been so blessed with God? I don't think God has given us what He's given us just for us to keep it and hoard it. I think the whole idea is we have been blessed to be a blessing. We have been blessed to be a blessing. Let's share what God's given us. Number two, we can make disciple makers right here at home. Most of you are not going to go to North Nigeria, to Boko Haram. Most of you are not going to go to Pakistan. I was in Pakistan a few years ago. We were baptized about 90 new believers. We literally had to have paid guards with AK with AKs there uh, as we baptized. It was at out uh, in the middle of nowhere where hopefully nobody was saved. Most of you aren't, aren't going to go to Pakistan. And I'm not and I don't think I'm not suggesting that I'm not suggesting you go around the world. I am suggesting you go across the street. I am suggesting where you live, work, study, shop, play. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You represent Him. Jesus said, Jesus, in His very last statement He made, actually, one He said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Not you should be, not you ought to be, not you might be. He said, you will be. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are one of His witnesses. What does a witness do? A witness tells what they've seen, what they've heard, what they know to be the truth. That is your identity in Christ. You are one of his witnesses. Your great privilege and honor, it's not so much a command or even a responsibility. It is an honor. You get to represent the king of glory. This one you just sang about, I was listening to you it from your heart. Some of you got on your knees, lifting your hands, you love them with all your heart. You get to not only lift your hands and fall on your knees and send your praises to them in this room. You get to go outside of this room and represent Him to people who have no idea who he is. Can I get an amen? amen. And yet, and yet, 95% of born-again believers in the United States will go to their grave without ever having led someone to Christ. Uh, the good news for you guys is you have a couple of pastors here who will train you how to be disciple makers if you want to be. There are some churches I'm in, I, I, I couldn't say that. But you're in a place where if you want to accept that honor of representing Jesus where you live, you've got a couple of pastors that can teach you. Finally, what can we do? We can pray. We can pray. And that's where that card comes out yeah. again in the lobby. Let just show you a couple of pictures. I think I'm going to skip the video this time, guys. But let me just show you a couple of pictures of why prayer is so important. This is a, a country along the border of China. The yeah, Timothy, there, young church planter. The authorities came and confiscated his pig because, because, he wouldn't quit talking about Jesus. They said, "We have to come again. We're going to take your house." That's his wife. So I didn't go online and find this picture. This is a Timothy. You say, David, what can we do for this guy? Another type of in that area. He has a skin disease. Can you see it there? You say, why doesn't he go uh, to the doctor? Have you ever been in the mountains of along the Chinese border, Vietnam, North Vietnam? not a lot of hospitals there. Uh, there may be a clinic that's going to be closed five, six days a week. And when it's open, there's no medicine on the shelves. And you say, Why doesn't he go to Walgreens for CVS? No, you know what you do in that part of the world when you get sick? you suffer and you die uh, unless you know God and you pray to him and sometimes he chooses to heal so you say David what can I do for this guy you can pray you can pray look at the next slide this is uh, the uncle of one of our leaders there he left church one morning walked outside suicide car drove up exploded over 30 of those believers were killed he was dead on arrival at the hospital. His nephew called me and said, "Doctor David, they killed my uncle. They killed my uncle." You see, they keep calling my wife. They know the names of our children. They know their tag number on their car, and they keep telling me they're going to kill my wife. They're going to kill my children. What can we do? We can pray. We can pray, will we? We can, will okay. Look at the next slide. Here's a. Uh, on the to that border. Uh, Timothy there, bed there. she had a little baby there, uh, earthquake hit, there in the Himalayas, and rough terrain up there, and she realized her baby was in the house. She was running up the hill to grab her child. By the time she got inside, like any mother would, she loved her little baby. She scooped up her child, and before she could get out of the house, the roof collapsed on her. She showed her baby the best she could. Uh, she was injured. She managed to crawl out of the rubble. She lay on the ground for several days before anyone found her. That part of the world when the earthquakes come <clears throat> the landslides, it messes up what few roads are. You can't you can't access anything. There's just not much infrastructure. She lay on the ground for several days holding her baby. By the time they got her to the nearest hospital, her legs were so toxic they had to amputate both her legs. That's why she's all covered up there. And her little baby ended up with Now, I want you you ladies especially to take a good look at that little mom. If you're in your 20s and you're a single mom and you've got a baby and you live in the Himalayas and you don't have any legs, life just got almost impossible. It's unbearable. She's our sister. You say, David, what can we do? We can pray. You say, David, are you trying to make us feel bad? I'm really not. I am trying to get you to understand something. God has been so good to us. Has God been good to you? He has. Oh, let's thank Him. Let's praise Him. Let's not take His blessings and just hoard them. Let's take what He's given us. It's a big, lost world. And God so loved the world that He sent His son to die for the world. It's tragic that much of the world doesn't even know that. They don't, they're not waking up in the morning consciously saying, I don't want to be a follower of Jesus. They don't even know who he is. And 2,000 years ago, as he's ascending back into the clouds, he looked at his followers and said, You. Hands of the earth. It is my prayer that you leave here today with an absolute sense of urgency that if you're going to do something about this big, lost world. And I've given you three suggestions. You can pray, somebody can start a church by your funding, through your giving. You can make disciples right here. You've got pastors that will train you how to do it. Here, you better sign.